Jeremiah 33, uh, we'll go to verse three. Jeremiah 33, three. And there it says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Once again, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Johnny was a very bright five-year-old told his daddy that he'd like to have a baby brother and along with his request, he offered to do whatever he could to help. (laughs) Well, his dad, a very bright 35-year-old, paused for a moment and then replied, I'll tell you what, son, if you pray every day for two months for a baby brother, I guarantee that God will give you one. (laughs) Well, Johnny responded eagerly there to his dad's challenge and Every night before bed, he would kneel down by his little bed there and fold his hands and pray that he could have a baby brother and was confident in his prayers because his dad said it. In two months, I guarantee there's gonna be a baby brother. Well, somehow word got out with his buddies at school that he'd been doing this. And his buddies were like, you know, dude, it doesn't work that way. You can't pray and it's not two months. And, And Johnny said, nope, I'm praying and God is able to do anything But after a while, little Johnny got a little discouraged by his buddies at school saying, there's no way, that's not how it works and you can't pray that way. So he finally, after uh, about a month and a half, he gave up. But a couple weeks later, sure enough, mom and dad came bounding in the door after grandma watched for over a weekend, watched them. Uh, Mom and dad came home with, well, to Johnny's surprise, not one baby brother, but two, it was twins. And the dad said, now son, aren't you glad you prayed? And the son looked at the two babies and he said, dad, aren't you glad I stopped what I did? (laughs) Oh, give us the childlike faith uh, to be able to be people who pray. Uh, And prayer is important, prayer is powerful. And I I think, you know, um, as I have been thinking through and praying about uh, what's been going on this past week, on Wednesday, we had quite the, uh, national disaster, you know, where uh, our Capitol building was, you know, taken over um, by rioters. Like this is really something uh, that happened in our nation. And, uh, you know, and, and yet the narratives and the lies, and, and I talked a bunch about that um, last night at the Prophecy Update. If you're interested, you can uh, go to YouTube or whatever and watch that online and catch up with what all the stuff I said about that. But, you know, um, uh, the, 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 the thing is about prophecy uh, as I see it, um, these, are, these are really signs of the times that are sort of speaking to the possibility that, man, could 2021 be the year? And what does America have to do with, it, do with that? And America's role in end times Bible prophecy, we talked about all that stuff. But I know that more than even knowing about when the rapture of the church is gonna happen or the end times and all that, I, I know that there's a lot of people that are very troubled by what happened there and, and, and troubled on whatever side of the political spectrum you are on, it's, it's very troubling. Um, and the, the thing is, I love what the Bible tells us, you know, that we're to be anxious for how much? Nothing. But in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, with supplication, let your request be made known unto God. That's what the Bible tells us to do, to be anxious for nothing but everything 
Give it to the Lord in prayer. Interesting here, Jeremiah gets this word, you know, call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, this part of the book of Jeremiah is intriguing to me because really the Lord told Jeremiah like five times now, don't pray for the people. This is a done deal. Uh, The children of Israel are gonna be dragged off into Babylon in captivity or they're gonna be slain uh, there in Jerusalem. That's the way it's gonna go down. And so you might say, well, that's hopeless, but it's not. The Lord says, I'm gonna show you, Jeremiah, if you pray. Now, he's not supposed to pray for deliverance from the Babylonians anymore. And the Lord made that clear. In fact, the Lord told Jeremiah to tell the people, surrender to the Babylonians. Can you imagine um, if that was the word? If you're living in Jeremiah's day and all the other prophets, the multitudes, are saying, defend yourselves and the Lord will give us victory over Babylon. All the other prophets are saying that, except for Jeremiah saying, no, surrender yourself and go to Babylon in captivity. That's what God wants. And that's why he got punched in the face. I see that today with what's going on in our nation with people saying one thing and a lot of other things that are actually happening. Even though, you know, it seems like the majority, what does the mainstream media say? And what what do we see with our own eyes? And what's really going on? And people are confused. But I love that we have the Lord to cast our cares upon. In these days of trouble, uh, you know, we talked about that last night, perilous times will come in the last days. I think we're seeing perilous times. The world is holding its breath because an unstable United States makes for an unstable world. Um, and, and so, you know, that leaves a vacuum, I think, that the Bible says was gonna happen in the last days. I think these are just signs of the times. Um, there's a hole in leadership globally. Um, and as globalism is on the rise, we see the stage set for what the Bible talks about, a one world government, a one world leader called Antichrist, or, or uh, he's, he's not, you know, that's not his only name, but it's one of the names. And, and we see how that could really unfold really soon. But you and I are called to not be anxious, but to be in prayer. And so we have this challenge as we go through this section of scripture, just to remind ourselves to be a people that are given to prayer. And I wanna spend some time and think about what, what the Lord told Jeremiah here. And, uh, and for us to take this little verse, maybe even memorize it and take it to heart. Uh, and it's real simple, the, the challenge I have before you tonight. And we just kind of break this down as we look at this First, you know, why should we pray? I wanna talk about three things. First of all, number one, if you're jotting down your notes, number one, the command. Notice the, the nature, uh, uh, the way the Lord kind of speaks this. He, he doesn't suggest it. He says, call unto me. Hey, if you get the time uh, and you think about it, uh, why don't you give me a call? No, that's not what he said. He said, call unto me and I will answer thee. I love that. It's a, it's a command, it's not even a suggestion here, it's a command, call unto me. That's what the Lord wanted Jeremiah and the people to hear, and I think for us today as well, to, to uh, you know, pray. We are told in the scripture over and over to pray, and, and not only that we're supposed to pray, but how much we're supposed to pray. Um, you guys know it, uh, there in you know, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. You know, this is what God wants for his people, to pray without ceasing. And as we've mentioned before, that word ceasing, it's linked to a word that they would have used back in the um, Greek 
days of, of the Greek language, the word ceasing is the same kind of word they would use as if you had a nagging cough. You know, where you just kind of cough through the day, you know, and you, that's, that's, that's the way that we're supposed to pray. Just kind of praying throughout the day, conversing with the Lord throughout each day. And, and so we're given that command, call unto me. And the Bible tells us over and over again that the Lord wants us to pray. Now, one of the reasons I think people don't pray is because of God's sovereignty. And, and this is a, a blocker of prayers, I think. Do I believe God is sovereign? Yes, we did, we did a whole thing on this a few uh, weeks ago. But the thing is, one of the things that people that are really into the sovereignty of God, which I am, they say, well, it's all gonna work out the way God's gonna do it, God's sovereign, so why pray? The answer, because we're commanded to, we're told to. Yeah, but God's sovereign, it's all gonna, I don't care, you're still supposed to pray. You know, I think the reason we're supposed to pray is because um, the Lord uses prayer to change us. God is, it's not as much for us to move the hand of God when we pray, it's for, for God to change the heart of men. I think that prayer oftentimes changes me more than my situations. And that's a big deal. I'm the one who needs to change. I'm the one who needs to say, Lord, I'm just gonna submit my heart and my life to you. And prayer does that. When you and I pray, that's oftentimes what happens. Um, you know, remember when Moses, the people of Israel, Lord said, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna step aside, Moses. I'm gonna make out of you a mighty nation and I'm gonna wipe out these people who are complaining about no water in the wilderness. And Moses said, Lord, not so. You promised that you would take these people into the promised land and your name is on the line here, Lord. And, and Moses begins to intercede on behalf of the people before the Lord. And then that strange little verse, it says, and it repented of the Lord. Uh, the Lord repented of the, of the evil that he was about to do to Israel. God never changes, but he's sovereign. Yeah, but as it turns out, this is the way the Lord wanted that little story to shake out. See, I would ask this question, who put it in the heart of Moses to pray for those people and intercede for them? I believe that was the Lord who did that. Honestly, if I were Moses, I would have stepped aside and said, okay, fry them, Lord, they deserve it. Make of me a mighty nation. Children at Athey Creek in 2021 will be singing, Father Brett had many sons, had many sons had Father Brett. That's what they'd be singing. So do it, Lord, fry them. They're like, he's our pastor. Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's Moses. Moses was a meek and great leader. And he said, oh Lord, no, preserve your people, protect your people. And I believe it was the Lord himself in his sovereignty who put it in the heart of Moses to intercede on behalf of those people. And so the word repented there in the King James is a hard one when the Lord repented of the evil that he was about to do. Um, the, the word is better translated, honestly, as relented. The Lord was putting on pressure and then he relented. Uh, and it's not that he changed his mind. Oh, I better change my mind. No, it was that the, the Lord orchestrated the events to put Moses in the right frame of mind that he would be interceding on behalf of the people. You see, I believe in the days that we're living right now with all this turmoil and trouble and misinformation and what's really true and what's really false. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little leery of anybody who's on their Instagram saying, I know for sure this is what's happening, for sure. You know, um, uh, it's, it's a funny thing because I, I study this stuff as much as any goofball. Um, you know, somebody I just read just before church here tonight, uh, somebody said, you know, it's Antifa who took the Capitol building. Well, I'm not, I don't know about that. You know, like some people are saying that 
um, there's a couple guys that they've got on video at other BLM rallies and, and there was a few people like that, but there's also a bunch of people that turned themselves in. There were CEOs of corporations that were just Trump supporters. And they said, man, it was the dumbest thing I ever did. That's on the news. Like it, and, and you say, well, Brett, well, what do we believe? Who knows? Who knows what to believe? And if you think you know, you're probably dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's just so much misinformation out there, but good news. When you and I pray, the Lord adjusts your attitude and your, your, your worldview and the things you think are good or bad or ugly. Guess what? The Lord will say, you know what? I need to change that in you, Brett, if you're thinking about this or that or the other. And, and man, I don't know about you, but I need to be transformed. You know, not to be conformed by this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And how is the mind renewed? There's so many good ways, you know, reading the word of God, but I think prayer is one of the great ones. As we pray and seek the Lord, man, our hearts are the ones that start to change and start to line up with the Lord. It's amazing that God even has to command for us to do this. Have you noticed that? that? It's kind of a funny thing. He's making a commandment. And one of the hardest things to get us Christians to do is to pray fervently. Um, you know, it, 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 when you kind of think about it, you've got the creator of all things saying, pray. And I'll, I'll bless that. I will bless your life if you pray. I'll show you some of those promises here in a minute. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like, do we have to pass laws to make people pick up their paycheck at the end of the work week? Uh, no, people want to do that because guess what? It's good for them and they know it's going to be a blessing to get the stuff that they worked for. Do we have to pass laws? Well, if you win the lottery, uh, you better go pick up your check. Well, I don't think I really feel like doing that. I won, you know, $24 million, whatever. Nobody's gonna do that, nor should they play the lottery, but either way. Um, you know, it's funny, we, we don't have to make the rules about, you know, collecting. And here's the Lord saying, if you pray, I'm gonna bless your socks off. And we all kind of go, well, okay. And we sort of wander around and forget to cast our cares upon the Lord. You know, pray without ceasing. The command here given to Jeremiah is call unto me. The context of this is trouble. You know, I, I find it so uh, amazing how the, the situation there with Jeremiah and the Jews that are in Jerusalem and Judea in this story, how they parallel the days we're living. I found it really amazing as we just continue to go through the Bible is where we're at in the Bible is where we're at in life. So here in that setting of trouble and perilous times, division, in religion, division in politics. That's what Jeremiah was facing. And Jeremiah says, call, the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah, call unto me, pray, seek me is the idea here. So, you know, that's the, the main thing. Now, by the way, I wanna show you something. Would you keep your finger here and go with me to Luke chapter 18? Because Jesus sort of dealt with this uh, issue about people who will be willing to pray, to seek the Lord. In Luke 18, there's this little story he tells, and it's, it's a little bit odd at first when you think about it, but if you think about it a little further, it makes a lot of sense. Luke 18, it says this in Luke chapter 18, verse one. And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now pause right there. Why is Jesus telling this little story? He gives us, before he even tells the story, here's why I'm gonna tell the story, that people always pray and don't faint. 
Pray all the time and don't give up praying. Don't, don't become weary with prayer. I'm asking this rhetorically, but have any of you become weary in prayer? Man, I've been praying for 50 years. I've been a Christian all these years, praying all this time and you know, prayer. Um, but are you weary? Have you fainted in prayer? Have you kind of lost hope in prayer or for whatever reason, don't have the, the faith to believe that actually makes a difference in our lives? Well, Jesus tells the story for, for that situation. So he's telling it that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to give up, saying, verse two, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. That's a bad situation right there. Doesn't believe in God or fear God and couldn't care less what people think. That, that, that's, like, that's not a great judge. Um, it means he cares only about himself and doesn't submit himself to God. That's a bad judge. We have a lot of judges like that today. Verse three, and there was a, a widow in that city and she came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Man, this guy is a real jerk. By the way, if you could picture this, the, the, the idea here, and, and the Jews would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. These, these were sort of judges that would travel around. Remember in the Old West, you know, you got busted for something, you go to jail, and you had to wait till the judge came to town. Once a month, you know, the judge would come through and they'd clear out the saloon and put a little courtroom in there and you'd go stand trial. Well, that's what, that's what Jesus is talking. That's the way they did it back in those days too, in Jesus's day. The judge would come in once in a while. So, you know, here's this poor widow and somebody's wronged her horribly. And he's trying to, you know, she's trying to get his attention. He's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care about you. Get out of my face. But she's only got a, a single opportunity because he's a, you know, a roving judge. And, and uh, the idea is I need help right now. So she keeps, you know, chipping away at him and keep trying to get his attention. And finally says, even though I don't care about people and I don't fear God, I'm gonna to listen to this woman because she's gonna continually weary me. Well, verse six, and the Lord said, that's Jesus, hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night to him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? When Christ comes, is he gonna find faith on the earth or will we all have been weary in prayer? You know, it's interesting. Um, it says, verse nine, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And then he went and talked about the two guys that went into the temple and prayed. One you know, was humble and one was haughty. Great stuff. Jesus is giving lessons on prayer. Now, some might say, Brett, why did Jesus compare God to the unjust judge? Um, and, and it doesn't make sense. God, even Jesus says, you know, the Lord's gonna do it. If the unjust judge helps the woman, how much more will God speedily help the people that, that are called his elect, his children, if you would? Well, I think it's not as much trying to make the comparison of God to the judge as much as comparing who you can go to for help. You can go to the unjust world who can care less about you. You can try to figure out your problems and your troubles and 
get counseling or get a friend to tell you what to do or go to a bank and try to get a loan or go to some, you know, psychotherapy to sort of level off things or do, you know, what do you, what do you go to to try to get your problem solved? And oftentimes, whether we wanna admit it or not, those things are like the unjust judge. They're reluctant to help you. Oh, you think they might help you and you, you try and you work to make them help you, but oftentimes this world and its solutions aren't that good. But instead of going to the unjust judge of the world and the world system and the things that are so-called helpful to us, wouldn't it be better, Jesus is saying, to go to the, the just judge, the one that is the Lord of Lords, and I love what it says, shall he not avenge his own elect, those people that he's chosen? If you're elect, if you're chosen by God, how do you know if you're chosen? Well, that's easy. If you've accepted Jesus as your savior, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're chosen, you're the elect. Yeah, but I'm not, I haven't done that. Well, then maybe you're not. Well, how do you know if I'm ever going to? I don't know, that's up to you. Yeah, but if it's his elect, did he do it or me? Yeah, exactly. Um, you're called to accept Christ. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That's why the Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, that God raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. That is to repent of your sins and to acknowledge your need to be forgiven of your sins. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. And so you can find out if you're God's elect tonight if you want. You can just say, Lord, I accept and believe the work of the cross. And not just mouthing the words and saying it like some magical incantation. No, it's gotta come from your heart through your mouth, according to Romans 10, verse nine and 10. So the good news is if you've accepted Christ, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're born again, guess what? It says here, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Man, I, I love that the Lord, not only will he avenge us, but he's patient with us. So Jesus spends a lot of time, by the way, talking about prayer. I think Luke, you know, chapter 18, verses one through eight is a good example of Jesus talking about prayer. And in this context, man, he says, I will speedily come and avenge you and take care of your needs. I love that. So the command, number one, is given. So why pray? I wanna to talk to you about the command. But number two, I'd like to talk to us tonight about the answer itself the answer that, that the Lord gives. Check this out. Our text tells us, call unto me, that's the command, and I will answer thee. Now, don't be confused on this one. I believe the Lord answers prayer every single time. Yeah, but Brett, God, I pray, and God doesn't always answer my prayers. You're a liar. Brett, that's not fair. You can't say, I, I, did, I just did, and I enjoyed it. What do you mean, Brett? Well, you know, like Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. And what the Bible says, even here in Jeremiah, you know, call unto me and I will answer thee. This is a promise of God's word. And it's not just here in Jeremiah and the context of the Israelis and all that. Um, we have all kinds of scriptures that the Lord promises that I'll show you even in a few minutes, I'll show you where the Lord promises, if you, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. I'll answer your prayers. Now let's, let's do kind of Christianity 101 here because um, we have to be careful on this one, uh, this, you know, the answer. Um, we have to be careful not to uh, forget that God can answer any number of ways, right? I think we clumsily say, God didn't answer my prayer, meaning we didn't get what we wanted. Do you see the problem here? 
If you're saying he didn't answer my prayer, maybe he did answer and the answer was no. Lord, I believe you and I trust you by your grace and your love for that Maserati. (laughs) But maybe the Lord's like, Brett, you you don't need a Maserati. You'll go to jail because you like to drive too fast already. Um, It's just, it's not good to have a Maserati. And so the answer is no. Um, Have you ever had the answer where the Lord says, just like your mom and dad, you need to be patient and wait. Sometimes the Lord says, the answer is wait and be patient. Uh, Man, we've got examples of all of these in the Bible that I could go over, you know, whether it's Joseph, you know, waiting until the promise of God came to pass. Remember the promise that he would, his, his brothers and his mother and father even would bow before him and that that would happen. But that took many decades or many years, I should say, before that actually happened. Um, so many, you know, promises in the Bible that took so long. You know, Moses was gonna do a great and mighty thing as, as a prophet of the Lord and a leader of Israel, but he started his ministry at 80 years old, that's a pretty long time to wait. 80 was his first day of ministry. Um, sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes the answer might even be, and this might seem a little weird when you're talking about God's sovereignty, but the answer might be maybe. It might be based on some other things. There are sort of in the Bible, if then statements that the Lord makes. If you do this, then I will do that. And I believe the Lord does that with us. If like the Jews, if you walk with me, keep my commandments, statutes and judgments, then I will bless you and make you fruitful on the earth and your land will be blessed and you'll be protected from your enemies. But if you worship other gods and do you know pagan practice and stuff like that, then I'm gonna lift my hand of protection and you're gonna be invaded by other countries. Like there, there's some conditional promises the Lord does make with his people. I wonder if the Lord's saying, maybe Brett, you could have that situation, but there's some things I need of you first and we'll see how you do. But doesn't the Lord already know in his sovereignty? Yes, but you and I don't know. So if from our perspective, the answer is more of a maybe, depending on how things go. But it's okay, the Lord always answers prayer. I love that. Let me give you some of my favorite uh, scriptures about this and you can jot them down. Uh, I'll just go through them quickly. But if you want, jot down the addresses of these scriptures. You know, I love John 14, verses 13 and 14, where it says, whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, some people say, Brett, this doesn't even fit what you just said, because, you know, what if the Lord's, he can't say no in this verse. Because he says, if you ask it in my name, that will I do. So uh, there's no uh, room for no. Well, you gotta remember, you have to ask for it in his name. How's this sound? Um, Lord, please give me a a, a Lamborghini. Okay, that sounded all right to me. But how about this? Lord, please give me a Lamborghini in Jesus' name. (laughs) Wait a minute, that doesn't fit very well. You see, when you say in Jesus' name, it's not just some little closing of prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. You're not closing off the prayer. What you're saying is in the character and the nature of Jesus, whatever that is, I wanna submit to that first and foremost. And then everything I've asked before that is, is hinging upon the character and nature of who Jesus is. So, you know, you're at work and your boss is a total jerk. Lord, please help my boss's head to explode. 
May all the atoms of his brain just scatter right now, Lord. You can do that in Jesus' name. Does that work? No. By the way, I think that that can almost be conceived as using the Lord's name in vain because you know that's not in the nature of Jesus. You're, you're, you're actually praying something that is not in line with the person and the work of Jesus. So that's, that's the safety net here for us. Uh, and I'll tell you why it's a safety net in a minute. Some of the prayers we should be really glad we don't get. There is a safety net for stupid prayers like me. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a second. So you got John 14. You also have some great scripture like Psalm 91, 15. He shall um, call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Man, that's a great verse for today as we go through troubled times here in the United States. You know, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Do you know the Lord's with you during these days of darkness where our nation is so divided and people wonder what's gonna happen between now and, I mean, they're counting the hours down for this, you know, transition and what's gonna happen between now and January 20th. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. And some people are really troubled. But we can put our trust in the Lord. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Also, the Psalms uh, continue with great mentions of prayer. I'm just giving you some of my favorites. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Great verse for the days we're living today. Um, what about Isaiah 58, 9? Uh, then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. And I love that. It's, the Lord's like, he's just kind of waiting for us to call on him. And this sort of lines up with our scripture tonight. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And that's what the Lord promises also in Isaiah 58, verse nine. Um, also a long one, but this one's Jesus again. And it's worth uh, covering when we're talking about this, the answer to prayer. Jesus said in Luke 11, verses nine through 13. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you, uh, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask of, uh, for a fish, will he give him uh, uh, for a fish? Will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? I love, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Man, these are promises of God's word. Now, I ask this question, Again, rhetorically, not really for a verbal answer, but do you believe in prayer? And before you say sanctimonious, of course I do, Brett. Um, a person who believes in prayer and really believes in the power of prayer, I think that we would be on our knees most of the day. Or we'd learn how to pray all day long. People that really believe in what we're talking about here, about prayer, I think we would just be hour upon hour seeking the Lord in prayer. There's a little bit of evidence, if you ask me, that prayer is not really believed on largely today because people have just sort of blown off prayer. And it's, it's the one thing that we find is sort of work. But the Lord is asking us to, to seek him, to pray, to seek, to knock, 
And the Lord says, guess what? I'll open the door unto you. Uh, what an important thing. By the way, back to that, um, you know, when we seek the Lord and pray and ask, and the Lord says no, some, some people might say, well, what good is that then? If we pray and the Lord says no, why don't you just leave it up to whatever, you know? Uh, well, I, again, I think prayer has a way of straightening us out. Do any of you remember when you prayed for something that you're really glad that the Lord didn't say yes to? The high school boy sees that girl and she's so hot. Lord, in the name of Jesus, please help me to marry this girl. I want her, she's going to be mine. And did you see her TikTok, Lord? She lip syncs perfectly. And, and the Lord says, nope. Oh, but Lord. And then that young man grows older and realizes that TikTok lip syncing is not the best wife attribute that you could <laughs> look for maybe. It might be fun for a moment. It might be a little painful though when the house is a mess and the baby's poopy diapers are full and she's there TikToking. Um, that, that's, that's not the greatest. I, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe at 17 or 18, you, you not, might not know what the best choice is for a wife. And the Lord, Lord says, I know what you're gonna need for, for a wife and, 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 and you girls for a husband. You know, the Lord knows this stuff. And, and, and how many of us in this room probably were praying for something back in those days and now we're saying, oh Lord, great and glorious God, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for not answering that prayer in the affirmative. Oh man, I, I think there's pray, prayers that I've offered that the Lord just kind of chuckled and said, no. But Lord, no. Uh, and the Lord wasn't being mean. He was being extremely gracious to say no. But you know, there's something that happens to the person that prayed for stuff and got the no. There's something that happens where we, we learn that God knows best, that the Lord knows what's good for us. And there's value in the person who spent time on their knees praying for something, even when they got the no, 10 years from the, that time, they'll realize, Lord, you were doing something in me at that time when I was praying for that and you said no, and my heart was troubled. You know what's sad to me is some of you, well, you're like the kid at the store when the mom is walking there and they're shopping and, 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 and the little kid, mommy, I see, I want that candy and I want it now. And the mom says, no, no son. Ah! Have you seen that child? So the mom goes, okay, just a minute. Let me grab it. <laughs> and now, now, did that child learn anything? Yes. And some of you keep those habits to this very day. Lord, I want that now. And the Lord says, no. Ah! And you're just, you're just the same. You're just not two anymore. Uh, and it's, it looks so much uglier on a 45 year old. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the Lord says, I want you to mature. And that's one of the reasons I want you to be praying is that, that I can start adjusting your attitudes and, and teaching you to trust that I know what's best. And I'll, I'll shape your heart and I'll, I'll move your mind in the direction that it needs to go. Prayer moves you, changes you and matures you and sinks you up with the Lord. I love that. And see, that leads us to the third and final point of this topic of prayer in this verse, at least, we see you know, the, the issues of prayer, the command to pray, the answer 
for prayer. But finally, lastly, we're given here the promise concerning prayer. It says here, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What's that all about? The Lord says, I'm gonna show, call unto me, I'll answer you, but guess what? When you call unto me, and the, the context here is when you're in trouble and when you don't know what to do and things look very bleak and dire, guess what, I'm gonna answer you. And the answer itself, there's a promise linked to it. I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. One of the things you see in the Bible that's a pattern that I love is the men and the women that are seeking the Lord in prayer, especially the ones who are in real trouble. The Lord always does something in that prayer time glorious. I could just tell you story after story. There's Isaac who wants to be married, but there's no girl around. And so what did he do? Did he go down to bushwhackers? No, coronavirus. Hmm. Where did Isaac go? to find a girl. Harmony.com? Nope. I love what happened to old Isaac. He goes out and he sits out in the field and he's there just praying, seeking the Lord, meditating on the Lord. That's what Isaac's doing. He's out there praying. And along comes this girl riding on a camel. Um, this is amazing, you know, because Isaac um, sees this girl, her name's Rebecca, and she, uh, the first mention of smoking in the Bible, she lights off her camel. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. No, I'm sorry. It, it does say that, but it meant she got off the camel. She... So there's Isaac sitting in the field and she lights off her camel and he's like, oh Lord. He's blown away. He, what was he doing to find the wife? He was praying, seeking the Lord. And the Lord says, oh, you want a girl? Check out this girl here. And she turns out to be amazing. Better than anything he could have found at Bushwhackers <laughs> or on eHarmony or wherever people go to search for brides and grooms and what have you. It was just the Lord working out those details in his timing and his way. Man, over and over in the Bible, people that were just seeking the Lord, the Lord just kind of says, oh, you're seeking the Lord? I got something for you. Something that you would have never imagined. Like our, our text here, you know, something you would have never known. In fact, there's no way you could have known it. Um, that's, that's the word here. Um, you know, like for example, Daniel. Daniel, when he's an old man in his 80s, Daniel chapter nine says, Daniel went to seek the Lord and pray. And he fasted and prayed. And as he was fasting and praying, the Lord shows up with an angel and says, Daniel, I'm about to reveal to you the 70 weeks that are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem. Now, I'm not gonna go into what that whole 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel is, but it's one of the most glorious prophecies, maybe in all the Bible, because it's about Jesus, his first coming, and Jesus, his second coming. And it was the, it's, the, it's the, the, the scripture that the Jews during the time when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, that they could have known the very day had they looked at Daniel's you know, revelation that he received while he was praying, had they looked at the 70 week prophecy of Daniel, they could have known the very day. That's why Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem, if you'd only known in this thy day, how could they have known the day? Daniel chapter nine, Daniel was sitting there praying and the Lord revealed this great mystery. 
You see, that's the word that's used here, by the way. If you're confused and wondering what's gonna go on and, and you'd like to have information that cannot be known, I think prayer is a great way because of what it says here. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Things that are beyond your comprehension. Would you mark the word mighty there in your, in your Bible? Because it's an interesting Hebrew word there. The word mighty in the Hebrew is batsur. And the word means um, inaccessible, unsearchable, hidden. And I find that interesting because um, all your various translations uh, I think it's the New International Version that puts it unsearchable. The ESV calls it hidden things. Um, the, the, the King Jimmy here, you know, mighty things. Mighty, powerful, but, but hidden, inaccessible, unsearchable. Um, the Lord says, I'll give you access to things you could have never known in and of yourself. Does anybody feel like they need to be smarter? especially in these days where we don't really know what to do about all this stuff that's going on. You know, um, that's one of the things that, you know, the Lord's showing my leadership team here as we're going through sort of strange years, 2020 and now 2021. What do you do with coronavirus and church opening and, and uh, how you handle that? And churches are struggling and trying to figure it out. But you know, it's, it's really cool because we don't know what to do about all that stuff either. And we all have certain things that we believe or don't believe. And we think that there's a lot of lies out there and a bunch of stupid stuff, but we still kind of have to figure out what we're gonna do. And we have found that as we just search the Lord and say, Lord, you show us what to do. It's been so cool how the Lord gives us understanding of things we, that are past our, our uh, understanding. And we move forward with a peace that passes all understanding. I love that. And we continue to do that and we take it week at a time. What happens if Joe Biden does exactly what he said he's gonna do? The first 100 days, everyone has to wear a mask for 100 days, even if you walk out on your porch, drive in your car. <laughs> uh, like, it's funny, all, you know, what they're saying about what he's gonna, you know, it's gonna be the law uh, if that happens, according to what he's saying is gonna happen. What do you do as a Christian? And I know what some of you are doing, right? I'm not gonna wear a mask. Well, did you pray about that? See, because I think that's the kind of stuff you gotta pray about. Well, Brad, I, you're, we're not wearing masks right now. Um, so what do you think about that? Good point. Can I tell you something? Remember when David said, Lord, should I go fight the Philistines? And the Lord said, yes, go fight the Philistines. The next day after a great victory, David had the same Philistines, the same valley. And David said, Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Day two. Do you remember what the Lord said? What did he say? No. Why? He said, well, don't go out there until you go and sort of set an ambush around them and you just lie in wait. And then when the wind blows in the mulberry trees, that's when you attack. It was a total different assignment. Same army, same problem, same issue, different assignment. So if you just knee jerk said, of course, I'm not gonna wear a mask. Shame on you. You didn't even go pray about that. And it's gonna be a different situation, by the way. You know, when the, in my opinion, this is my, I'm giving you my opinion, which is worth nothing. <laughs> but in my opinion, when the governor said everybody has to wear masks, that's the governor who didn't give us any legislation, didn't pass any laws, uh, and just said, this is the way everybody has to do it, and churches shut down. We complied just because it was a 
seemingly a, a pandemic and we complied for a while and just said, we're gonna try to be good citizens and care about other people who are panicking and worried because we're not. But that's the way we kind of rolled. But then, but I always said, but there's a day where we're gonna kind of open the church back up. That's gonna happen. Um, and praise the Lord, uh, we did that. And, and you might say, but Brett, you broke the law. Nope, there were no laws passed about churches. And like I said before, we believed that it was the, the state of Oregon that broke the law, the constitution. The constitution says, you know, that the government cannot uh, affect or infringe upon the worship or the way we worship or when we gather or how many people are in the room. That is against the constitution of, and, and, and as it turned out, we were right about that. And I, I kind of knew that already, but we prayed about that one. And the Lord just showed us how to kind of navigate those difficult waters. But, but as we enter into another season where there's a new president and maybe some new mandates or whatever, the answer is we need to pray and say, Lord, show us how to be best representing you. Not my opinion about the mask or the mandate about this or that or the other thing. And what is, is there a difference between the laws of the land that actually will maybe be passed versus laws that are, are you know, just recommendations? And, and see, it's all kind of confusing, but guess what? The Lord will show you mighty things. If you pray and if you seek the Lord, the Lord will show you mighty things in troubling times like this. What do we do about all this stuff? Seek the Lord and pray. And I can guarantee my leadership team is praying through all this stuff. As we speak, we're praying right now. Um, Wednesday night after Wednesday night Bible study, all the elders got together and prayed. We just spent a good chunk of time praying on Wednesday night um, because that's where the mighty things happen and the Lord shows us mighty things. Man, I love this. Um, you know, the, so this word, you know, batsur, it, it's what the Lord does in prayer. You know, the wonders of God's provision through prayer. Here's a hungry man with no food and he cries out to God and the Lord feeds him with ravens. Does anyone remember that story? First Kings 17, verses four through six, the, the prophet Elijah, when he was hiding from Ahab, he was hungry and the Lord just says, oh, I'll have birds bring you some food. Little Chick-fil-A flying in from uh, <laughs> for the raven. You know, the people are thirsty in the desert and they're saying, Lord, we're thirsty. And so there's a rock that's struck with a stick and water gushes forth. That's the Lord showing mighty things that are answers to their prayers. I love how, you know, the Lord shows mightier things. We try to figure out logical things. And Moses did that. I love the story there in Exodus where Moses and the children of Israel are hungry and the children of Israel are saying, Moses, you brought us out here to die. And so Moses, Lord, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna get fish from the sea or are we gonna kill some of our livestock? That was the question, the Lord, Moses. And what we call that is a false dilemma. Logic, it's a false dilemma. Fish in the sea or livestock. But see, Moses, that's all he could think of that would be an answer for their starvation that was happening. Fish or livestock? What is, which one, Lord, which one? And the Lord says, nope. Try this one on for size. I'm gonna have little birds fly from heaven and just land there and you can grab them and they're really tasty. Maybe that was Chick-fil-A, I don't know. But remember it says that each person gathered, you know, eight homers, uh, were they hitting them like baseballs? Is that what it was? <laughs> there was that bird, you know? No, uh, the homer was like a basket and people gathered baskets of this quail and they, they were saying, we want meat. And the Lord says, okay, I'm gonna give you meat. Now the Bible gets kind of gross on this one. It says they ate so much meat from those birds that the meat started coming out their nostrils. Man, 
what's that all about? The Lord did stuff that was just way past what they could have imagined or thought of. That's what this mighty word implies. You know, if you call on me and, and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things, things which you know not. You know, I love, um, does anybody uh, follow Josh McDowell? Uh, he's the guy that wrote that kind of classic work, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And uh, that's a great book still to me. That still stands up today. And he wrote an Evidence That Demands a Verdict too, back in the 60s, I think, maybe. Um, but he tells a story that's great. I love it. While, while he was attending seminary as a younger man in California, um, his father went home to be with the Lord while he was there living in California. His mother had died years earlier. But Josh McDowell was not really sure whether she was saved or not. And he just felt just kind of this heaviness. He knew his dad was saved, but it made him think of his mother and it just kind of bummed him out because he wasn't really sure she ever really accepted Christ in her lifetime. So he just went for a walk out in the California beach there and walked out on a pier and sat down. And this older woman was sitting there at the pier and, and Josh was just asking, Lord, would you just show me Show me if my mom was saved. Give me some kind of confirmation that my mom accepted Christ. Right when he was praying that, this old lady said, where are you from? And Josh, she said, I'm from Michigan, Union City. Josh replied, he said, nobody's heard of it. Um, I tell people it's a suburb of, and the old woman inter interrupted, Battle Creek? Uh, he, uh, he said, I, she said, I had a cousin from there. Uh, did you know the McDowell family? And Josh was shocked. Um, he responded, yes, I'm Josh McDowell. I can't believe it, said the woman. I'm the cousin of your mother. Uh, Do you remember anything at all about my mom, Josh asked? Can you tell me anything about her, her spiritual life? She said, well, sure. Your mom and I were just girls, teenagers, when a tent revival came to town. It was the fourth night. We both went forward to accept Christ. Like in five seconds, he learned that his mother went forward as Jeremiah accepted Jesus. And he shouted out, praise God. And it made all the fishermen mad because the guys are fishing on the pier. And he, was, he was worshiping the Lord. True story. I love that story where, where Josh was just praying, crying out, Lord, what about my mom? And here it is. What an amazing scene. I believe that that's what happens to people who pray. Mighty things, unsearchable inaccessible, hidden things, that there's no other way you could ever have those things revealed to you. What to do, how to act, how to live, all of those things that are unsearchable and hidden are found through the times of prayer. Man, I love that. Ephesians, uh, you know, chapter three, verse 20 says this, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. There's three big words right there. What does he do? Exceeding that's over the top, more than you ever expect, abundantly, above, over exceeding abundantly. Like, is that redundant? I don't care, I love it. <laughs> exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Again, that's Moses. Uh, I think about fish or I think about livestock. Nope, Lord, I'm, Lord says, I'm gonna give you birds that are just gonna fly to you and they're gonna be really tasty little, you know, chicken wings or whatever. It's gonna be awesome abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. 
There's another memory scripture for you. Here's Paul the apostle giving glory to God as the God unto him, God, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You see, for me, uh, I don't know about you, but this little threefold promise that's given by God through Jeremiah to us and to the people of Israel in dire dark days is a perfect verse for us to think about tonight. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Things you and I don't know about, the Lord says, I'll show you. I'll reveal unto you the things you need to know. Be careful, Christians. I think that there's this temptation for us to be know-it-alls and think we've got it all figured out. Whether it's politics or what we should do with the coronavirus or how we should act in our neighborhood or you know what, what we should do even as a church. Be careful for us not to be know-it-alls. The one who truly knows it all is the one who says, if you call out my name, I'll answer and I'll reveal to you things you think you know, but you actually don't know. Mighty things, which thou knowest not. The Lord says, I'll show those things to you. We need that so desperately. I'm worried that the church has become a know-it-all church. Like we know everything and we forget that actually we don't and God knows everything. And we should be the church that is on our knees seeking him. I was reading today actually about, again, they're talking about, you know, screen time. And uh, even from 2019 to 2020, screen time has gotten insane. Um, And we're not even talking about you sitting in front of your computer. I'm talking about just you and your iPhone or your smartphone. Um, Whereas like, like in 2019, the people were shocked four hours a day on their devices, four hours. And we're all like, what? Four hours, are you kidding me? Now it's seven hours, seven hours. The apps, they, they, they figure out ways to lure you just to spend tons of time on your phone. Um, and, and it's a troubling thing. Um, I, I still think if you haven't watched Social Dilemma, you really should. It's quite an amazing story. Um, and it tells us a lot about these phones and the way we're you know, being manipulated by algorithms and stuff, not even by people, but by computers. Like it's a really amazing story, but, but here's, here's your assignment. Are you guys ready for an assignment? I'm gonna give you something really practical to do. Are you guys ready? When you get home tonight, and if you don't have a smartphone, then you're off the hook, you, you got a freebie. My dad's at home right now just going cool with his little flip phone from, you know. <laughs> I love that. He, 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 Dad, you're off the hook. You don't have to do this. But anybody who's got like a smartphone, I want you to look tonight before you hit the sack. Um, I want you to see what your average screen time per day is. Just look at that. Some of you might be shocked, especially if you haven't looked at it. Then what I want you to do is I want you to divide that time by, you know, into half. So if, you're, if your screen time is, let's just give you a break and say six hours then I want you to say, okay, this next week, I'm gonna spend three hours on my phone and I'm gonna limit myself. And by the way, your screen time thing, you can even set hours and perimeters on your screen time. It's amazing. But give yourself three hours. Now, if your job depends on your iPhone and you're on it because of your job, I'm gonna give you an extra hour. (laughs) Some of you have that. 
uh, I was just upstairs talking to the gal that r- runs our social media. Like she's on our social media running stuff all, 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 all day. Uh, so I'm giving her you know, an extra hour uh, for that. Um, but, but divide it in half. And here's what I want you to do. Next week, you get the half of time on your phone and the rest of the half, which is three hours, Let's spend that time either, I'm gonna not even make you do prayer for three hours, but I'm gonna recommend, this is your assignment, prayer or, or prayer, a prayer or, or, or prayer. Maybe that's what the Lord wants, just prayer. I can't say it, you know, no. Prayer or the word. Uh, uh, and when you're in the word, you should be praying through it too. That's, that's the way we read the Bible is through praying through the word. This will change our church radically, I believe. If we say, let's chop our screen time enough. I'm just asking for one week, starting tomorrow, uh, let's say midnight, starting at midnight from now, all the way till right now, uh, next week. Let's see how it goes. Chop your screen time in half. That's good no matter what. I mean, if you did that, you'd be a healthier person today if you just chopped it in half. But if you chop it in half and you give that other half to just saying, man, I'm just gonna seek the Lord in prayer. I'm gonna be praying and seeking the Lord. How do I keep track of the time of prayer? I don't know, that's up to you. You gotta figure that out. But I think it'll be a life changer for many of us. Let's see how we do with that. There's the assignment. Good luck and God bless. (laughs) Would you pray with me as we kind of prepare to close out this service? We're gonna have the worship team come up and lead us in a final song, but would you just get your heart right and say, Lord, give me wisdom Uh, to use my time well. Just ask the Lord to help you be a person of prayer, Uh, to take seriously the charges and challenges, even the one we've read tonight, that we call out to the Lord and he will answer. Lord, how thankful we are for that promise of, of how powerful prayer really is. Lord, we don't take this lightly, this challenge. Um, Teach us to pray. Interesting that your disciples didn't ask as much to teach them how to pray. They just asked that that you would teach them to pray. And I feel like that's where we're at, Lord. We just need to be a people in these dark days to be given to prayer, just seeking you and asking, knocking. Lord, all these promises, your word associates with prayer. Lord, we, we, we are a church that needs all of those promises. We need answers and we need direction. We need vision and clarity. Lord, we need our hearts to change and the misguided notions that we employ, we need them to be fixed and redirected. We need your church, Lord, to be hearing from you and not from Fox or CNN or MSNBC or all the different uh, worldly things, Lord. We know those things are like the unjust judge who doesn't care. But as we seek your face, we hear from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When we pray and ask of you, of anything, you say you will be right there and you'll answer and you'll do it. So we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, under his character and his nature. Lord, may our prayers be in line with what you want for your church. We do take a moment and pray once again, as we did before. Lord, just cover our nation. Lord, I pray that you would heal the ugliness and heal the things that are just so wrong about our nation right now. Um, I pray in this, all this division and hatred and anger that you would somehow use this time that your church would be salt and light, that we might have the right message and not misrepresent you, Lord, in these days. So give us wisdom, 
cover this nation, we pray. Um, Bless your people in Jesus' name.